We are officially past the halfway point of the high school football season. Some teams have already gotten that all-important fifth win, Mitch, but we got a lot of great matchups coming up, a lot to talk about, maybe some mid-season player of the year candidates to watch. Get those out there, start naming some names here. Yes, it's certainly player of the year watch list season. Um, But, uh, you know, like you said, there's, there's four weeks left. And while we do have some teams that are already qualified with their fifth win or eligible, there is a lot still to unfold in this season. A lot of conference titles still up for grabs. Um, a lot of teams still trying to get their fifth win into the playoffs. So, yeah, we're halfway down, but, boy, the second half is going to be a lot of fun. Some of the best matchups of the year still waiting to come. Mitch, on View from the West podcast, we're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. Let's get into it. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again, as always, by Mitch Stormer, Mitch, you know, I thought about it yesterday. I had some Notre Dame jokes lined up, you know, some 10-man defense jokes, but we focus on the positives here. So I'm going to I'm going to let you off the hook. We're going to move along. I don't think you want to go down that road as a Northwestern <laughs> and a Bears fan, so which they of course extended their streak to 13 games uh, in a row and have uh, lost and given up 25 points. So no, I'm glad that you didn't. Um I would have had plenty of ammo in the chamber for that one, but yeah, it was uh It was a real tough night for me on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, when uh, we were texting back and forth, doing a little podcast planning, and I believe the text you sent me was, I'm going to set it down for tonight. I'm a little footballed out. And I kind of knew that was my cue that, yeah, the Notre Dame game is not sitting well with him. So we're going to, you know, we're going to let him recharge a little bit. But hey, you had today to kind of sit down and dive into the numbers and see the players that we need to watch for for player of the year. Are you you re-energized? Are you ready to go here? You know, I took my frustrations out on a bunch of logs that I needed to split outside. And, you know, it kind of got me away from... <laughs> where, where do you live? Like the backwoods here? Yeah, it's Paul Bunyan style. <laughs> um, so that, that got me away from football for, for a little bit. But now as I sit here uh, watching the Bengals and the Rams kick field goals to one another, I just can't get away from bad football. So I'm um, looking forward to talking about this and, and going through what, we, uh, what we've seen through the first five weeks and uh, looking ahead here as we move closer and closer to uh, the playoffs. Plenty of good football to talk about here on the podcast. View from the West, of course, brought to you by our friends at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services that the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround and uniform pricing at a fraction of the cost you're probably used to. They offer the name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, Nike, and they are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or BreedloveSports.com or contact Cal Breedlove. Email him at calbreedlove at gmail.com for more information. Before we jump into the recaps and looking ahead to next week, 
How about we stop and give a shout out? Congratulations to Matt Shuckman, our, our friend of the podcast over at Muddy River Sports down in Quincy. He was honored by the IHSA as one of their Distinguished Media Service Awards. So congratulations to him. We also had Brian Roosh from our area up at WCCI Radio in Carroll County, also received the award. Congrats to both of them. They both do great work. We know, you know, we've gotten to know Matt Shuckman pretty well here on the podcast, you know, our, our, our friend down in Quincy. So congratulations to him. Yeah, a lot of great coverage from both of those guys. And may I add, Greg, that our guy, Kevin Hieronymus, recently won an award. I believe it was for his softball coverage, I want to say. I don't want to mispronounce the award that he got or what it was for, but okay. um, I, I, I know we hadn't talked about that yet. But yeah, our guy, Kevin, uh, also won an award. So we really enjoyed their coverage of local sports. Yeah, absolutely. We, Mitch, we are, we are lucky to be surrounded by very talented people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we are, but we're surrounded by talented people, which is great. Yeah. So yeah. And Matt, and Matt Randazzo is there too. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Let's take a look back at week number five. That was in the Western big six, Mitch crazy to think that we've hit that halfway point. Some teams have reached that five wins. So they're now playoff eligible. They're going to be going through the postseason. One of those teams, a team that we kind of assumed would be, well, we definitely assumed they'd be headed to the playoffs. We yeah. also pretty much thought they'd be 5-0, and and here they are. The Quincy Blue Devils get the big win, 63-27 over United Township. Speaking of Muddy River Sports, David Adam, their sports reporter, was on the scene. We, re we read up a little bit from him about the game and how this one played out. Braden Little continues to impress. He had more passing yards tonight alone than any quarterback in the Western Big Six has had through four games. Yep. So that's incredible. He had 292 yards in the first half, finished with 352 yards and six touchdowns. Tykel Hammers, Aiden Byquist, each over 100 yards receiving. Jarius Rice, 121 yards rushing. Mitch, this team's, I mean, this offensive output here is impressive week after week. 555 yards of total offense. What more can you say about this group there? I mean, they are what we expected. Yeah, not, not too much really to be added to that. This is what they've been doing week in and week out. Um, I think this might have been their highest point total uh, all, all year. But yeah, this is exactly what we kind of anticipated Quincy to do this year. If you listen to the preview, um, all six, I think, people that were on the pod that night all predicted Quincy would, would be the Western Big Six champion this year, just because we knew what, what talent they had. And it's not even just what they have. It's that they're still not seniors yet either, a lot of them. So this is a Quincy team that's really, I think, going to go on a run. But, yeah, this is a great night for them offensively. And for UT, too, Matthew Kelly had a really great night. Um, the score had great highlights uh, of him and Randall once again couple couple long connections for the two of them they've been doing that more and more recently so you know it's tough to gauge when you play a team like Quincy but I, I still think UT has been playing really well as of late even though the wins are, aren't showing up they're still playing really well but again what, what again what, what more can you say about Quincy um, as they continue here down this this path it's all leading up to I think a week eight matchup with Geneseo yeah that's going to be huge Speaking of Geneseo, they got the win 43-3 to over Galesburg. Jaron Neal, three touchdowns on the night. He could be a player to watch as a uh, possible player of the year candidate. We'll get to our players to watch here in a minute. 
Um, moving down the way, the big rivalry game, Moline and Rock Island. Moline gets the win 28-10 to 10 over their rival. Thanks to our friends at QC Sportsnet for the write-up on this one. You can find their game recaps at qcsportsnet.com. The Maroons were out, were without running back Adrian Cooper. But man, they really didn't miss a beat in this one. Pablo Perez stepped in, 20 carries, 172 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Really good effort, though, from Rock Island. Mitch, they were in this game for a long time. They hung around in this one. This was definitely not a blowout that maybe some thought it might be just based on records going in and what we thought of Moline. Rock Island hung around in this one. Jonas Cortez nailed a 23-yard field goal to put the Rocks within 14-10. to That was in the third quarter. But Moline kept having answers. That's the thing is Rock Island kept it close. Moline kept responding. They had a big play, 50-yard touchdown pass from Elijah Taylor to Xander Ely. Ely continues to impress me. Twenty That made it 21-10 after recovering a Rock Island fumble. The Maroons, you know, not the big play, not the explosive play, but this time they really grind it down, really wear down that Rock Island defense. 63 yards and eight plays early into the fourth quarter. They cap it off with a four-yard touchdown by Corbin Schnell. He gets the touchdown, nearly doubles his previous season rushing total with 155 yards and 17 carries. So great effort there. You know, that next man up mentality, that's what the really good programs have established. You saw that in Moline in this win over Rock Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we talked about this too, that we, you know, the past two years, Moline has really taken Rocky to the woodshed. I mean, what call yeah. it is the past couple of years, but we also said that, when these two teams get together for as long standing as this rivalry has been, you still have to throw out the records when they get together. So we know what, what Rocky has struggled with this year. We know that Moline isn't quite up to the start that they maybe expected or, or want to be, but this was a good win for Moline um, as they continue to make that final push, you know, to get to five wins. They, they're sitting at two and three now. They're coming up to a forfeit here, which will give them another win. Maybe not a lot of playoff points, but will get them at least to three wins. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, they they win a big rivalry game. I think that was on the road. I think that was at Rock Island, right? No, I, I believe remember. it was at. I think Moline was at home. Okay, either yep. way, either yep. way, anytime you can win win a, a rivalry game, that that's huge. But as you mentioned too, it was a great effort from Rocky. Um, we, we've seen some performances week after week that it, they're showing signs of, of getting better. Gartar has been really good really all season. He had 125 yards and a touchdown in this one. So, you know, again, for for our Rocky fans out there, just, just hang tight with coach Fritz. I know you're going through it this year, but you see signs and you can be, uh, you, know, you can, you can see the positives moving forward. Yep, absolutely. Well, one more game to cover in the Western big six non-conference game in Princeton gets the 28-6 to win over Sterling. Mitch, this was a game we talked a lot about in the Instant Reacts podcast on Friday night. I encourage everyone to go out, listen to the Instant Reacts. If we don't, you know, do the deep dive on the game, um, how they played out last week, go back, listen to the Instant Reacts. We went we went long, and that was our, maybe our yeah. longest Instant Reacts we've ever done. So it was a lot of fun, but we got to a lot of what happened on Friday night. You can listen to it there. In this one, it's Princeton getting the win. Casey Etheridge with three touchdowns. Noah Laporte with a 40-yard pick six late in the fourth quarter to kind of seal the win. 
And Mitch, how about this? The Three Rivers is now 2-0 and against the Western Big Six this season. Just like everybody thought. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but man, it's it's uh it's wild. I I think we still have at least one more uh yeah. three rivers and western big six game. That's Mendota and Geneseo. Yep. So and that's coming up week seven or eight. I, I think my, I think that's week seven. Because again, okay. I think I think I could get it wrong. When Geneseo and Quincy plays either week seven or week eight, yep. And Geneseo plays Mendota the other week. So yeah. Okay. Based on records, that game maybe isn't as appealing as it was at the start of the season. But, um, you know, you never know. We'll see how that one plays out. Taking a look at the updated standings in the Western Big Six, you got Geneseo and Quincy both sitting undefeated 5-0 and 3-0 in conference play. Sterling's 2-0 in conference play, but they're sitting at 2-3 overall. You also have Moline at 2-3 overall. They're 1-2 in conference play. And then down the way, Galesburg has a win in conference. Rock or UT has a win in conference. Or no, I'm sorry. Um, Galesburg, Rock Island, and UT are winless in conference play. So looking at the matchups here in week six, United Township goes on the road to Rock Island. Galesburg is at Quincy. Geneseo takes on Sterling. And Moline will take the forfeit win, which would have been the Alleman game. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the biggest matchup you have here is probably Geneseo and Sterling. You have Sterling trying to play spoiler. They've had the upper hand in this rivalry for several years now. Geneseo looks really good. I mean, they look primed. This is, you know, their year to make some noise. I think that's the game that kind of stands out to me. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at UT and Rock Island. Um, Yeah. You know, two teams who have struggled, but someone's going to come away with a win. Um. And as I said before, I really like the way that Matthew Kelly and, and Corey Randall have been playing as of late. Um, but Gartar with Rock Island is is a, as explosive as an athlete in the Western Big Six as it comes. So there'll be a lot of offense, I think, in that matchup. But yeah, like you said, Geneseo and Sterling, certainly a lot of intrigue there. Um, Sterling's reeling a little bit. You know, Princeton really kind of kind of just ran it right down their throat on Friday night. And then Geneseo, the way that they've been playing with AJ Weller and Jared Neal and um, the, all of their, all of their offensive players, they're really good on defense, but yeah. Um, again, we're, we're kind of, there's still some games here down the way because this conference isn't, isn't, isn't decided yet. Quincy and Geneseo, I think is still going to be the deciding game in there. So the, for those two teams, especially, can you, can you win the games you're supposed to? Can you continue doing the little things right? Because you're, you have no room for mistakes when that game comes up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Mitch, should we talk about some, uh, you know, mid-season player of the year candidates here? Some players to watch down the way yeah. that we think could be our award winners for player of the year in the conference play. Give us some mm-hmm. names and some numbers here, Mitch. You were, you were crunching the numbers all day today. So, yeah, let's, let's start with the, top two teams we were just we were just talking about right starting Quincy um and and right off the bat they've got a lot of guys that we can talk about right um all of their receivers guys on defense guys on the line they've, they've all been playing really really well narrowed it down to Bray and Little I think that goes without saying he's almost at 1500 yards or sorry passing on the season 18 touchdowns if you remember Greg I predicted that he would go over 3,030 so it's almost he's over he's over halfway on the on the touchdowns, almost halfway at the yards. So 
still tracking that I could be right on that. Um, but the, the guy either behind him, beside him, however they line up, uh, Jareus Rice, 653 yards, 13 touchdowns on the ground. So, again, this is, this is a team that can score a lot of different ways. It seems like if, if maybe one of these guys isn't having the best, you know, statistical night, the other guy is. So they can just hit you in so many ways. But the receivers that we talked about, Hammers, Byquist, all of them, they could be on this list as well. But we'll, we'll narrow it to Little and Rice for, for Quincy for, for the purposes of the midseason watch. Yep, yep. Um, you know, moving down the way here, you also have the names you'd expect from Geneseo, right? I think A.J. Weller's in the mix for a potential player of the year. Jaron Neal, potential player of the year. But a couple names here that maybe are tops, you know, because of, you know, where they're sitting in the standings. There's a few more names in here, I think, that could be. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, guys that have been playing really well the past couple of weeks and can will look to continue doing that. Xander Ely, a guy you just talked about, who's been playing really, really well for Moline. Definitely their best uh, receiver, their biggest downfield threat. For UT, I really like what I've been seeing with Matthew Kelly and Corey Randall. Um, but uh, again, they, they, you see the highlights, you see the explosive plays that those two are both capable of making. I think it's going to win them a couple, one, maybe two more games this season. And even for Sterling, Joe Holcomb's really been playing really well at the quarterback position. So yep. yeah, this, this conference is full of talent. We see it every year. Um, so it's always hard to kind of narrow, <laughs> narrow it down to, uh, to only a few names, but it's, it's a wide open race, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. It's fun. It's going to be fun to watch down the way. Some players putting up some big numbers. And, you know, some of these players, if they're putting up big numbers, they could come away with some big wins that mean a lot to their teams down the way. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Should we move in to the three rivers, Mitch? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, we already talked about maybe the game that kind of caught everyone's attention. That was Princeton getting the win over Sterling. But how about Kiwani? They get the win 41 nothing over Hall. So they continue their season perfect. They're now sitting at 5-0. They're playoff bound again. Mm-hmm. And next week, they got Kiwani, or they got Princeton on the road. They're headed to Princeton. <laughs> yeah. A couple years ago, they had at the time what I would consider an upset win. And that was part of a season that ended up being very special for the Boilermakers, making the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And man, I mean... Heading into this one, they're the undefeated team going up against Princeton. Can they can they make some noise in this one again? Last year didn't go their way, but they seem to have kind of rebuilt now. They're you know they're, they're back. They're kind of at that high level again. Does it does it still seem like it could be that they're the underdog? In a weird way, yeah, I can it's, understand that. In a weird way, it kind of does. It's it's on the road. Yeah. And I think that's a big factor. That's a big yeah. part of that, right? You're still, you're still playing the, what, five-time defending conference champion. Yeah. A team that... And Kiwani shared it with them, not, not last okay. year, the year sure. before, but sure. yes. Their only blemish is, is a, a loss at a last-second field goal. Not taking away what Morrison did that night, but that's their only blemish. Yep. And, since the, and since then, and even the game before then, when they beat Monmouth Roseville 40-0, they've played really, really well. So it, it feels like that to me a little bit. Um, I can't wait to watch this game because I, I think it will, it will be another classic Kiwani-Princeton matchup. But I was thinking about that earlier, that even though Kiwani is, is the undefeated one, 
it still feels, and we might've talked about this too on the instant reacts, but it still feels a little bit to me like they're the underdog in this one. And I mean, for as explosive as Kiwani is on offense, you know, I do think when you look at what Princeton just did against Sterling, that's an impressive output, right? You hold, hold mm-hmm. Sterling, a Western big six team to six points. So mm-hmm. that's, that's an impressive bounce back. Maybe not bounce back, but that's an impressive statement win heading into this one. So I think that we know that Kiwani can score points, but man, Princeton's defense is tough and, and Princeton can score a little bit, but here's the thing. We just talked last week on the podcast about how many shutouts Kiwani's had. So what right. is it now? Is it, is it three? It's, we talked about it on the instant reacts, three in five weeks. They have a three shutouts, I believe. Um, I'm putting myself have, yeah, three in five weeks, three of the last four weeks. They've, they've done it. Now, let me, let me, let me hit you with this. Okay. okay. I think Princeton's played better teams. Yep. They've played better defenses, especially they've played Sterling. They've played Newman and they've played Morrison. Yep. Kiwani. And again, I'm the Boilermakers are going to come after me. I get it. I understand. I'm just, I'm just sharing the facts, right? Yep. They have one win over a team with a winning record, and it's Bureau Valley. Mm-hmm. And two of those shutouts were against teams that don't have any wins. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's, just, it's yep. just the facts. It's just the facts. I will so say. That, I, I think that's kind of what factors into them being the underdog. Have they really played their toughest game yet? I don't think so. But I don't think Princeton can say that. I think that they have really had hard games so far. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I will say seeing Kiwani in person, they were really, they were really strong defensively and they, they're explosive. You know, I I think regardless of opponent, you you can see, you can see a team that has a lot of varsity experience and that is really, you know, just an all around smart, good football team. Either way, man, that's a great rivalry football game. It's the best trophy. We already talked about that in the instant reacts. It's am I going there, Mitch? I, I'm so torn. There, we're talk about it at the end of the show. There's so many good games this week. I don't know where to go. Our our, our friends at Robo Williams Field are not going to be happy if you don't go down there for that undefeated LLC matchup. I know that's you know I love me some you know some games at Bill Adams Field, so I want to go there. But man, I the Kiwani Princeton rivalry, Mitch. I love that one. So I, get I it. all right, I get it. We'll talk. We'll talk about it at the end. We'll figure out something. But yeah. Let's keep moving down the way here. Bureau Valley gets the win 35-14 over Mendota. Elijah Endress rushed for 249 yards, five touchdowns on his way to the victory. Brock Shane was five for five on extra point kicks. Cameron Lemons, a name we've talked about a couple times this year. He also rushed for just over 100 yards. And Brady Hartz added 63 yards rushing. But Mitch, we got to start with Endress's numbers. 249 mm-hmm. and five touchdowns. That's that's an effort that yeah, that's that that could be helmet worthy. Yeah. Listen, I, I like I like Grove Valley's helmets, but I think we could maybe send a mini helmet their way and they would appreciate that as well. I, I think that this performance it, it's earned it's earned the Matthews' mini helmets player of the week. So congratulations mm-hmm. to Elijah Endress for that performance. You got a mini helmet coming your way, customized. From View from the West, Matthewson's Mini Helmets offers totally custom mini helmets and decals for your school. You can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. That brings Bureau Valley to three and two on the year. So they're definitely in the mix 
for a playoff spot. They're fighting yeah. for their, you know, fighting for it here. Yeah, I think that probably factored into the decision, right? Because yep. Bureau Valley is is in a must win mode right now. And they certainly have to play spoiler somewhere in the next four weeks, going up against Newman, Princeton, Aurora Central Catholic, and Morrison. So They've got to find two wins in there somewhere if they want to get into the playoffs this year. So they'll, they'll have to pull off the upset. But this was a good start. Um, shout out to, to Coach Bissell for not calling a single pass in this game. So uh, we always <laughs> we always like that. We like when that happens. So, yeah, Indris, uh, you know, when his number's called, he made the most of it. So good on him. Yeah, awesome job. Great performance. And, Mitch, speaking of Coach Pistol, we got to say congratulations to Coach and his wife, Lindsay. They're expecting their first child this spring. And did you see the uh, the gender reveal on, the, on yeah. the practice field? Yeah, I love that. love getting the team involved in something like that. Yeah, so for those who haven't seen it, they, they posted it on Twitter. It was uh, the team got involved. And they had a football uh, kind of doctored up or I guess kind of a plastic football or something. And, uh, you know, they did a little end around. And I think it was like a lineman or somebody that did like a punt. And when he when he kicked it, it, it revealed that it was the, you know, it was the boy, the baby blue powder going in the air. So yes. it's a baby boy. So congratulations to them. That that was awesome. Really cool moment. Really cool kind of team bonding there. So, uh, yep. all right, well, moving our way down, Mitch, we talked about Princeton getting the win 28 to six. Newman gets the win 20 to seven over Erie Prophetstown. Tied nothing, nothing at halftime. Evan Bushman threw, threw two touchdown passes for Newman. That leads the Comets to victory here. Mitch, you know, it doesn't really surprise me anymore that, these wins from Newman, they're not going to be flashy. They're not going to be, you know, the big-time numbers. But, man, they grind it out. They find a way to get the job done. They did it again here. Yep. They just continue to to get these wins. And that's, again, it's going to be a, a huge quality for them moving forward. Um, I think I said on the Instant Reacts, looking kind of crystal balling, looking ahead, they're, they're probably going to be sitting at 7-2 and two would be my prediction going into the 1A playoffs where they'll have a, a pretty good a pretty good seed. Um, but it's going to be that defense that's really going to be an asset come playoff time. You, you've seen it just week in and week out that, that they're so tough on, on that end of the ball. So, yeah, um, racking up the wins. They got, they got Bureau Valley coming, uh, coming into town this week. Could be um, a chance for them to become eligible for probably the 400th time, if I had to guess, in Newman's <laughs> history. I would, assume it's, I would assume it's around there. That sounds uh, like but, a, that sounds like a salty Morrison alum if I've ever no, heard it. No, 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 <laughs> no, not at all. I, I proud of what Coach Lemay's doing out there. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and and yeah, it's again a team that's working through it on the offensive side of the ball. But when you're doing that, you got to rely on your defense, and they've really they've really done a good job of doing that this year. Yep. Well, other results from the Three Rivers. Morrison got the win 41-12 to over Monmouth-Roseville. Mitch, we'll go through some of the season totals so far when we talk about our, you know, players to watch or our potential, you know, player of the year candidates. Morrison has plenty of them. Yeah. They, they come away with the big win here. You know, texting with Jeremy Adolphson, we talked about it on the Instant Reacts podcast. He was really impressed with what he saw here. Obviously... Mm -hmm. In watching film, he knew that they would be fast. He, you know, he'd seen the highlights of that, but he pointed out he thought they were they were more physical than he expected. And he said that that's kind of the difference in what, you know, a fast team is one thing, but if you're fast and you're physical and you're able to, you know, get those blocks and really establish yourself in the line, 
that can go a long way. And he, you know, he was impressed that that way. But Mitch, what we really want to talk about in this one, let's talk about the punt that looks like a field goal or the field goal that acted like a punt. Yeah. However you want to phrase it here. Let, let's yeah. get into this. You you called it out. I had not seen it until you sent out the tweet. So what what do we look what are we looking at here? Yeah. So I'm here watching this game and Monmouth gets into a punt formation and I think they're they're either by midfield or on the on the wrong side of it. And they come out lined up like a field goal. <laughs> like what what is the story with this? And they they kick it off and I, I do not remember if if it bounced or if I think it was Deshaun McQueen picked it up and he actually ran it back for a touchdown. Yes. But it got called but it got called back. But the, I'm thinking to myself, watching this thing, it's like all right, well, if it dropped, why didn't the ball go back to where the line of scrimmage is? Yep. Or if if you're on punt return, like why would you even try to return it? So that's where my confusion when I sent out a message about, you know, someone explain this to me. And I think I think it was on Saturday that we finally got some answers on this. Yeah. So we did get a little clarification. I texted uh Jeremy Adolphson, head coach at Monmouth Roseville, and he he explained a little bit, but then we also heard from uh, Logan from Brink Sportswear, yeah. one of our sponsors, he pointed out that the NFHS, the National Football High School rules, treat all scrimmage kicks the same as a punt. So the field goal is basically in high school the same as a punt. If the ball breaks the goal line, it's a touchback. If the ball doesn't get returned by the receiving team, then that team takes possession wherever the ball comes to rest. But they can also return it. It you know it it ends up you know being operating the similar as a punt we also got confirmation that was verified by aaron fry a friend of the podcast he is an ihsa official so he was all over it helping us out there but um you know coach adolfson basically just pointed out that you know in the off season or in um you know summer workouts they hadn't had much success finding a punter or someone that could mm-hmm. consistently help their field position in punting so they kind of joked around about, you know, could they do that? And, you know, would it work? And he just said that it only works in high school because in college mm-hmm. and the pros, it's not, you know, it, like you've just referenced that it's going to go back to where the kick missed, you know, where the right. field goal was quote unquote missed. Well, it doesn't right. operate like that in high school. So it's kind of a loophole in the rule, I guess. But he said that they always try to kick between the numbers and out of bounds. And he said, when you do that, it makes it a little tougher of an angle to block it. So it's not as easy to get blocked as some normal field goals. Mm-hmm. And he just said they've been able to, you know, successfully get it farther downfield on a, on a quote unquote field goal kick rather than a punt. So that's what they did. So <sighs> <laughs> it's, it's fascinating that like, that's never, I've never seen anyone else do it. So no, I, I again, certainly, uh, credit to coach Adelson for knowing the rule for one and finding something that works for them. Yeah. But that does not mean that I enjoy that rule. That's <laughs> just too far fetched for my liking. So he, he said, unless the rule changes, he doesn't think he'll ever punt again. Sure. Why, why would you? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Um, so, but yeah, I, I don't like it. it I don't is. like it. <laughs> well, if you were a football coach and you needed to get yardage on a kick, you'd probably like it just fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rockridge gets the win over rival Orion 54 to 20. It's all the names we expect, Mitch. Swigan, Zarlatanis, Friarmuth, Wheatley. 
Uh, Ryan Lower also blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown. He's a kid I was impressed with on defense last year. He made a play at a game I was at, I believe, against Newman. So that, that's a kid I've always kind of been watching for on the defensive side of the ball. So he gets the job done there. You were kind of following along with this one. Rockridge kind of jumped up on this one early and never really looked back. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seemed like I think it was 42-14 at half or something like that. So, you know, we, we've seen Rockridge be able to pull off halves of football like this. They did it in week one – or, sorry, week two against uh, Colfax. Um, it's, it's a really talented Rockridge team. We, we've said it before that I thought that they would either go eight and one or they'd go undefeated. And they're certainly playing that way that they could, they could finish eight and one. Their biggest, biggest contest could be a, a game of the year could decide the division is week eight, I think against Morrison. So that's still one of the marquee games left in the track, but this is a Rockridge team that's firing on all cylinders. They're definitely doing it on Friday. Yeah. We mentioned some of the names. Schwagen had 98 yards and a touchdown. He also had 10 carries for 127 yards. That's what's been kind of the, you know, the fun thing to watch is that he's really taken off as an explosive yeah. runner out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we knew that they were going to look a little different on offense this year. They lost some, some players to graduation last year, some really good players to graduation last year. And we knew that they had some, some players coming back, but, then we started hearing, hey, there's this freshman quarterback that's actually going to be taking the reins. And it's always a risk. And after that week one game, it seemed like Schweigen has settled down and they've done nothing but win since. So, yeah, really looking forward to what they can do the rest of the way out. And, and this team is, is certainly structured in a way that they'll, they'll have that sustained success moving forward. They also get consistent performances from Zarlatanis. Alex Zarlatanis, 13 carries, 123 yards two touchdowns. It just seems like every week he's kind of the workhorse, right? He's getting, he's getting yardage for him, you know, every week we're, we're always yeah. calling his name out on the Orion side of things. Kale filler. He puts up numbers, uh, 13 for 25, 182 yards, two touchdowns. Owen Voorhees had six receptions was his favorite target. There was filler's favorite target, six receptions, 113 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, thank you to Ty Taylor from WRMJ. He passed along these numbers for us, but, um, you know, Good effort by Orion, but just a, a fast start from Rock Ridge that, you know, they really couldn't, couldn't overcome. So yep. moving down the way, Sherrard gets the 49 to 16 win over Riverdale. Noah Fender had two touchdowns, uh, two or three touchdowns. I, I had saw two somewhere and then I saw, I think three. it was, I think it was three. Okay. All right. Well, I don't want to shortchange Noah, but yeah. No. Okay. And Holland Anderson, five for five, 152 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Sam crown over two receptions, 60 yards and a touchdown as well. So congratulations to Sherrard on the win, but Mitch, the really cool story was Riverdale and their kicker, Aiden Senzenbaugh. Tell us yeah. about this. It was great. Yeah. So, so stockpile gave us this little nugget on Friday that it was homecoming for Riverdale. They played a soccer game, a voice soccer game prior to this. Yep. And Aiden Senzenbaugh is, I think he said, right. The school's all-time leader in goals. Could be. I, th I think it was um, that he's Riverdale's all-time leading scorer. He scored two goals in, uh, in a win over Orion in soccer. And then changed his outfit, changed his jersey, put on the pads, and uh, went out and set a new school record with a 47-yard field goal during this contest. So 
Uh, talk about a guy who can kick. Why not get your all-time leading soccer scorer and, and you know put a shoulder some shoulder pads and a helmet on him? So yeah, cool to see a cool little uh, cool little stat line there. Yep, awesome moment for the Riverdale Rams. You know, it's you know the wins haven't been coming, but this is a really cool moment. Just something to spotlight, something to celebrate for Riverdale. So yep, cool, cool, good job there. Congratulations to Aiden on that on a great night. And also, congratulations to Sherrard. They get the win. Much-needed victory for them, for this Tigers program, which where does that leave them now? Two, two, uh, three wins, Mitch? Two wins? Sherrard is sitting at two wins now. Yep. Um, they've got to go two more soon this weekend. Could they Could they play spoiler? Absolutely, they could. Um, tough, tough way, tough way. So if, let's say that they don't, and they're sitting at two and four with three weeks left, you've got Orion, Erie Provison and Monmouth Roseville. So there is still a path there for Gerard. Um, the way that Holland Anderson, Carter Brown, the way that those guys have been playing, even, even back to the Rock Ridge game when they lost two weeks ago. Um, you're talking about three straight games that Gerard has really, really played played well. So this team is capable of doing it, no question about it. So, yeah, there, there is a way. And, uh, again, we'll see what they can do against Morrison this week. Well, let's get right into it here. You got Morrison taking on Sherrard. Monmouth Roseville going on the road to Rock Ridge. I believe that game's on Saturday. You have Erie Prophetstown at Orion. On the other side of the division, on the other side of the conference, in the other division, you have Kiwani at Princeton, which we talked about, Bureau Valley at Sterling Newman, Mendota and Riverdale, and Hall versus IVC in a non-conference game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Mitch, you talked about that morrison Sherard game. If you remember last year, it was Sherrard getting their only win of the year. Yeah. I believe it was, was it at Morrison? And it was a I last think, second. Well, I thought it was, but this game is also at Morrison. So that doesn't make any sense, but I'm pretty sure you're right. That last yeah. year was also there. I so thought I, I remember know. seeing the video. Um, yeah. Either way, it was a game that came down to the very end. Sherrard got the win in that one. It was a yeah. huge win for them. It was their only win of the season. But right. again, a team that we saw, you know, flashes of talent that we thought they might do something this year. This would be a huge, obviously, you know, I can't overstate it. This would be a huge win for them, you know. But um, <laughs> this Morrison team, man, they're they're firing on all cylinders. So it's, you know, it's tough. You have, you'll have to go on the road and knock off a really good football team. Yeah, and still a test for Morrison, too, just to continue to take care of business. And if they can play well against a, a team with some momentum, Um Looking elsewhere, obviously, we talked about Kiwani Princeton. That's probably the game out of any game that we cover, or sorry, out, out of any conference that we cover that I'll watch. Um, certainly, you know you know how I like Tiger Central Live, so I'll be tuned in. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot on the line with BV and Newman. There's a lot on the line with EP and Orion. Um, even the Monmouth Roseville going to Rock Ridge. Monmouth Roseville sitting at three and two now. They've got some work to do to get into the playoffs. I think they can do it. I don't know that they can do it this week going to Rock Ridge, but it'll be a good test for them. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of intrigue in this conference. But certainly, I think the Mississippi division will be decided on Friday night, Kiwani and Princeton. Yeah, it should be. That's kind of the way the way things are shaping up there with Kiwani sitting at 5-0, and and you have Princeton right behind them at 4-1. and But when you're looking at playoff eligibility, like you mentioned, you know, Bureau Valley's got to go on the road to Sterling, Newman. Can they, can this Bureau Valley offense figure out a way to make a little bit of, you know, make a little bit of 
progress against a tough Newman defense. That would, Mm -hmm. you know, could they come away with the upset? That would be a big one. You know, that's an intriguing matchup to watch for sure. Yep. I I agree with you. So like I said, there's, there's a lot of games that are meaningful here in the track this week. And as, as we move forward, I think we'll see more and more of that. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk some mid season, uh, mid season players to watch. Who's our potential player of the year candidates, Mitch from the, uh, the Mississippi side of things. Yeah, um, some names that we we call out quite a bit, right? Starting in, in the undefeated Kiwani Boilermakers offense with Brady Clark. Um, I, I should say not just offense because he's he's pretty good all around, but 336 yards rushing with five scores uh, rushing. He's got 638 yards passing with eight touchdowns. So yeah, Clark, uh, Alex Duarte, these these two guys have been really putting up a lot of points for the Boilermakers this year and a big reason why that they are undefeated. But we've, we've been talking about Brady Clark for years now. He's having a really good season, a lot of fun to watch, watch him play. Well, looking at Kiwani's opponent this week in Princeton, the name that's really burst on the scene is Casey Etheridge. As a sophomore, he was our player of the week winner in week one. And it was honestly a name that we had not really been all that familiar with. And we certainly are familiar with him now. Yeah, so he's he, he burst on the scene 234 yards and four scores there in that very first game against Monmouth Roseville. On the season, he's nearing a thousand yards rushing. He's certainly over 10 touchdowns. So, yeah, he's he's their weapon. Um, a good compliment to to Noah Laporte, to William Lott, to Ace Christensen. But he's kind of had the numbers and the performances week in and week out. So yeah, he's an exciting back to watch. So watching Clark and Etheridge this week is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. Well, and speaking of good running backs, you got to talk about our player of the week from this week from Bureau Valley, Elijah Endress, 529 yards rushing so far, 10 touchdowns on the season. Also on the defensive side of the ball, four and a half sacks. So Mm. he's really doing, you know, doing the job on both sides of the ball. But I think we talk a lot, Mitch, obviously player of the year type of candidates come from the offensive side of the ball. But when it comes to Sterling Newman, you got to go defense. You got to talk about somebody on the defensive side of the ball. Who you got, Mitch? Yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential here. I, I think I, I texted Coach LeMay today about it, and the one thing that he told me that I hadn't, I guess, calculated yet that the Newman defense has forced 16 turnovers so far this year. Um, yeah. If you remember, they they forced four, uh, at least four. I know it was at least four fumbles. I can't remember if they got an interception or not against Princeton a couple weeks ago. Um, Certainly had a, had a few against Rock Island. So, you know, guys like, you know, Dan, Dan Kelly, um, yep. Isaiah Williams, Evan Bushman. Newman's got a lot of key players who may not have the stats, right, of, of anyone else. Certainly not on offense. But that doesn't mean that they are not players that are capable of winning. Certainly Newman is sitting at four and one and with, with a win over a, a 6-8 team. So, yeah, I think I think we leave Newman as kind of a an open slot for someone to kind of move into, but they've got a lot of guys on that defensive side of the ball who are are part of a unit that's winning them games. Yep. Yep. Well, let's move into the rock side of things. And there are plenty, it seems like, candidates from the Morrison Mustangs to be a yep. potential player of the year candidate. Who are you going to single out? If you got, if you got to name one, I'll put you on the spot. 
Well, you know, it's, it's like you said, they're, they're by committee. They do so many things so well. Colton Bielma taking the reins at quarterback has played well. You've got, you've got Anderson. Um, you've got Newman. You've got Strading. You've got McQueen. Yeah, again, like you said, you've got so many. I, I like Brady Anderson. He's got 428 yards rushing this year. He's got nine touchdowns. Just the the type of kid that if they give it to him on a sweep and he's got any sort of window, he is gone. He you will not catch him whatsoever. So um, I'll, I'll stick with him here as kind of the watch list player. But any of those Morrison players can can really sneak up here as we move closer to the end of the year. But um, just again, when Brady Anderson gets the ball, you you need to keep your eyes open because it's that play could be over pretty quickly. He he could be in the rear view. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. I think, you know, seeing them this season, I also think like a similar player to, the, to that description is, is McQueen, right? When McQueen yeah. gets the ball on a, on a special teams play or if he gets the ball in space as a wide receiver, he's also a kid to watch, you know, to, don't take your eyes off him. But yep. Mitch, you talked about Newman's defense. How about if we're going to talk, you know, defensive side of the ball and maybe total impact, you also have straighting you know, saw straighting doing mm-hmm. the job on offense. He's got 400 and 472 yards unofficially. I think I'm not sure exactly what Vandermeid sent, but this is another um, source that we got some stats from. So if he's got, you know, over 450 yards, but also on defense, he's really been a force on the defensive side of the ball. So that's, you know, straighting's a name to watch for. Um, and Newman, coming in and throwing one pass that probably helped them win. It did help them win the game against Princeton. So, you know, that alone gets you on this list, I think. Right. Yeah. So a lot lot of players there and really just kind of, like you said, when we're talking about Newman, that, that defensive players don't get a ton of the love or they don't, you know, they don't get all the spotlight all the time. Same thing goes for the offensive lines. You know what I mean? Like you could name anyone on Princeton's offensive line. You could name, anyone from Morrison's line, the teams that just continue to run the ball really, really well. Uh, the big fellas up front, the hogs up front need, need, uh, need more spotlight on them. And we will try and get a better job of doing that. So um, shout out to all the linemen out there. There you go. Hey, yeah. Send us, uh, send us the names of those starting linemen for some of these teams that you, uh, you know, that you appreciate when you're, if you're a fan of their line, send it out to us. We'll, we'll get a shout out to them. We'll get them on the air here. Right. So, yep. Uh, Sherrard has had some impact players. Holland Anderson, 939 yards passing so far, Mitch, 13 touchdowns. His favorite connection, Carter Brown, 353 yards receiving, seven touchdowns. That also goes along with 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. So he has certainly looked impressive. They've they've looked, um, Sherrard's looked good. You know, they're fighting for those wins, but they've we've talked about the offense they can put up. How about Peyton Thompson from Monmouth Roseville? He's another guy that's put up some good numbers for them, really helping them along the way. So certainly some names there. Did we talk about Rock Ridge yet? No, I don't think so. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, just just any any of those guys, right? Colin Schweigen, uh, Alex Aratalis. You got, boy, you got got Deem. You got Fryermuth. You got Wheatley. um, Like you mentioned, Ryan Lower. So, uh, again, a, a a committee type of team that can score from so many different ways. So if, if, when we get down to the, the end of the year, I think that might give some clarity, but you know, for now they they're all just playing so well on that Rockets team. 
Yep. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to follow here. You know, this, this compared to the Western Big Six, this race for potential player of the year, and we'll name one at the end of the season on both sides of the mm-hmm. um, conference. Both divisions will get one uh, player of the year. But I think this is a little more wide open than yeah. maybe some other conferences. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So certainly we've got more more teams to choose from than the Western Big Six. But you know, when when you're talking to a player like Braden Little, maybe maybe you know, spoiler has the upper hand going into the second half of the season here. But I, I don't I couldn't pick one from any school in the track that might have the the upper hand going uh, going into the final four weeks. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break. Thanks some sponsors, and we'll jump into the Lincoln Land Conference. Brink Sportswear offers totally custom made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for sublimated and $120 for tackle twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to brinksportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. Welcome back to View from the West podcast. Now, Mitch, we just heard from our sponsor, Brink Sportswear, about what they can do for you, outfitting your uniforms. We've talked about that all year, but did you see recently they put out on Twitter, they can make, they can get you uh, customizable wrestling belts, championship belts. Hey, we like that. That's, that's exciting. That's cool stuff. I saw it. I, I need to retweet it because it looked awesome. Like, man, I want a, I want a championship belt. A view from the West championship belt. Heck yeah. Maybe maybe a promotion <laughs> down the line. Yeah, That's... I was going to say, we got to figure out a way to like, how can we give one of those out? That, that would be cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and speaking, of, speaking of them, we'll get to Farmington in a minute. I yes. Don't, I don't know if they were, if they were new this year or, or just an alternative that they weren't before, but uh, Farmington is, is outfitted by, by Brick Sportswear and they had all yellow this week, which was a nice look. Yeah, it did look really good. I caught that. He had reached, I saw the uniforms they were wearing and then I saw that he had retweeted, Bring Sportswear had retweeted it. And uh, yeah, glad to see that they were uh, Brink uniforms because they, they look sharp, cool look. And the helmets are amazing. The helmets yep. Farmington has are great. So, yep. yep. All right. Well, like I said, we thank our sponsors. If you'd like to support us here at View from the West podcast, if you like what you hear, you want to help us out, there's an easy way you can do that. You can head to PayPal. Head to PayPal, search View from West pod or View from the West. You can go directly to paypal.me slash view from West pod. We would love um, any way you can support us here. This is a passion project for, you know, for us, but there are some costs that come along with it. Mitch, we, we'd love to upgrade some equipment. If we had, you know, a little bit of spare change to upgrade some things, we would certainly do it. So any way you can help support us, any way you can spread the word about our podcast. I think our listenership, I know, I know our listenership is growing when I check the numbers every week which is exciting, which is really great. So we appreciate any way that anybody can spread the word. But if you want to help us out monetarily, you can head over to PayPal. 
And look, our, our, our Twitter followership grows every single week. So our reach is getting better and better. So if, if anyone out there is listening, trying to maybe get your, your company out there, uh, again, we're, we're growing and uh, we can reach quite a few people in the area. So yeah, we, we would love to hear from you if, uh, if you want to be involved. Well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. Let's jump into the Lincoln Land Conference Week 5. The game I was at, Mitch, a statement win, huge win for Knoxville. They get the win 44 to nothing over Mercer County. Knoxville was up 16 nothing at the half. I was actually on my way from uh, Oneida, from Rova Williams Field. I was on my way to Knoxville listening to the broadcast on WRMJ. The Golden Eagles did seem to grab a little bit of momentum. They got a couple stops at the end of the first half to hold it to a 16 nothing game. But I knew that Knoxville, Knoxville was going to be getting the ball to start the second half. And Mercer County had them pinned deep. They had them um, at their own 10-yard line. They got them to a third down. It seemed like it was one of those, you know, can you get this stop, force them to punt, get the ball on offense here in the second half, see what you can do. But, man, Blue Bullets call a timeout. And within, <laughs> within a few seconds, literally the whole game changes. Nolan McClay busts off a 90-yard run, and the route was on from there. Ends up being 38 nothing at the end of the third quarter. You could tell that, I mean, Knoxville grabbed all the momentum in this one, and they did not look back. Read through some of the totals here, Mitch, that we got from, uh, again, Ty Taylor sent us some, you know, stats from the end of this one. Yeah, real quick, was that 90-yard rush, was that one of your highlights that you... That was my first highlight. That was great. Great camera work there by you on that. Well, hey, I give credit to Nolan McClay, man. He busted yeah. off right through the middle, and he was sprinting down the field. I was right there to be all over it. So Yeah, well, that, that 90 was part of 404 that Knoxville put up on the evening. Um, I don't believe, according to our notes, that they attempted a pass. So, again, no, we, they, no they did not. We like, we like that. Maybe, maybe that's what a championship belt should go to. The, the team who throws the least amount of passes. <laughs> that's what I can get behind. Um, I, I did uh, I did tell one of the coaches on the sidelines as I was leaving that uh, Mitch is gonna love these highlights because he never he never wants CD passing so yeah you get, yeah Knoxville Lena Winslow <laughs> BB this week yeah we love we love it when you're just running the ball all night um, so 404 yards rushing they also held uh, Mercer County to 103 that 404 led by as you mentioned Nolan McClay 13 carries for 213 yards and three tutties uh, Mitchell Parrish who's who has a, has a Good stat line just about every week. A good compliment to McClay in that blue bolt offense. 12 rushes for 89 yards and two scores. So a great win for Knoxville for them to remain undefeated. They've got some big games coming up here, but they keep playing blue bullet football the way that we've known them to, to, to play like the past couple of years. Mitch, I got to say, just, you know, being out there talking to some people, hearing some things, I think that, you know, this Knoxville group, they kind of play with a chip on their shoulder a little bit. Yes. I think that. You know, sometimes, and it, and I understand because, and I'll go into a deep story here. I'm, I'm growing up in Ottawa, Illinois, that we were, you know, getting TV stations out of Chicago. We were getting TV stations out of Peoria, but we were mm. not close enough to either one to ever get any TV coverage. You know, we yeah. weren't lucky enough to grow up in, you know, Morrison, where Dan Pearson is there every week covering right. for the Highlight Zone. And, you know, the way that, you know, when you grew up being used to being on TV, that was not the case. So I think looking at this Knoxville program, they're, you know, on the, they're far out as far as the Quad Cities coverage, 
but they're also kind of on the fringe of Peoria's coverage. So mm. they're just kind of in that no man's land. Now we, we hear a view from the West. We love Knoxville. We're talking Knoxville. We're getting out there. Right. And we love no man's land. <laughs> and in channel it. eight, channel eight and channel six and, you know, in the, in the local quad cities media, they do a good job of getting out there. But um, I think that, you know, this team as getting back to my initial point, they carry a little chip on their shoulder, knowing that, you know, they don't always get the, you know, the huge spotlight. So we're, we're trying to give them that spotlight, but they're certainly earning it here. This was a statement win for them and they looked really good. I mean, I, I was really impressed with what I saw here. So we'll, we'll see what they, they got, you know, one big test way down the way. They got to take yeah. care of business in the meantime, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second here, but a uh, great win here in week five. Another other results from the LLC, Illini West gets the 46 to 14 win over LVC. Farmington gets the 30 to 26 win over Elmwood Brimfield. This game was entertaining. This one was a lot of fun. Elmwood Brimfield led this one going into the fourth quarter. Farmington trying to protect their perfect season so far. They're down four points with 636 left in the game. They're facing a third and three or a fourth and three on their own 16 yard line. Mm -hmm. And they go for it. They, they call a play called angels extra. And this play, the angels extra saves their undefeated season quarterback lane wheelwright throws a ball, floats it down into the hands of Jack Gronwald for an 84 yard go ahead touchdown. Uh, Dave M. Emnian from the Peoria Journal Star had a great write-up, had a great article about this. The quote I loved he had from head coach Toby Vallis. I asked our players what they wanted to do. They were adamant that we go for it. That's still, man, that's a crazy call to me. Anyway, yeah. back to the quote. So we called Angels Extra, and the ball came down from the heavens. There you go. Man, amazing quote. What a game. Thrilling win for Farmington. They they continue their great season here. Yeah, and, and Coach Fallis sent us a message after the game that I and I don't remember what it is at the moment, but they barely had the ball in this game, so they really made the most out of their you know their possessions and had to use them all <laughs> to pull out this win. Um, you know, we've been impressed with with Lane Real Wheelwright all season. This was another another great game for him. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, Jack Gronwald had a big game on the ground and through the, and uh, receiving through the air. Carter Lampin blocked yet another punt. So, you know, he's got three the last two weeks. Um, and again, Farmington's undefeated. So playing and really, really well, all roads leading to week nine, um, potentially against, well, not potentially, but um, against Knoxville where Farmington, and Knoxville could be undefeated going into that. So that would really be something. So not not to look too far ahead because they've both got some tough games coming up. Farmington still has to go to and on Weathersfield. Um, but yeah, this this was a really, really good win for them. A, a gutsy win for the Farmers. Yeah. I mean, I talk about how it seems crazy that they went for it on a fourth and three at their own 16-yard line with 636 left in the game. But when yeah. you talk about if Elmwood Brimfield was controlling the clock as well as they were, maybe that kind of forces your hand where you don't yeah. want to let them grind this game away 
you know, and potentially you're not going to get the ball back or if right. you do, it's, you know, time's running out. So man, I give him credit. It's a, it's a gutsy call. The angels extra, the play worked, got the yep. job done. Um, for Elmwood Brimfield, a couple standout performances, Bo Windish and Lane Durst led the way they combined for 198 yards and a touchdown on 45 carries. Uh, Windish had 104 and Durst had 90, 94 yards. And uh, he had the touchdown. Also, one more thing we have to point out from Elmwood Brimfield, their head coach, Todd Hollis. I don't know if he does it every week or if this mm -hmm. was something special. How about the shirt and tie on the sidelines, Mitch? Yep, swaggy Todd. We like that. <laughs> don't see it too often anymore. No, I can't remember when I've ever saw it. So it's very cool. Yeah. Actually, of all things, I was scrolling through Twitter or um, looking at different articles when I saw it. And I believe it was a photo that came from the Peoria Journal Star. And I, I kind of laughed and I showed my wife and my wife was super impressed. She loved it. So mm -hmm. maybe it's because I never wear a shirt and tie. So it's, you know, right. doesn't yeah. happen very often. So, yeah. So yeah. So credit to Todd Hollis, you know, it's, it's, it's that swag on the sidelines. It looks great. It's, it's hot out there, you know, so you're wearing a suit and tie on the sidelines. Yeah. Or not, not a suit and tie, but a shirt and tie on yeah. the sidelines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right, some more results. Star County gets the 20-8 to win over West Hancock. Rebels force five turnovers in this one, including four picks and two pick sixes. So making a defensive statement here are the Rebels. Yeah, I think Matthew Bowser had one of them. Um, they continue to play really, really well, uh, shutting down a, a West Hancock offense who is known to throw the ball around. Uh, Gavin Grothaus puts up big numbers every week. So, you know, the Rebels, I think, have a claim for the best defense in the area. I, I don't have the stats in front of me to back that up. They've just been seemingly playing that way, and they, they always seem to have quite a few turnovers every single week. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier. This week, undefeated Stark County against undefeated Robo Williamsfield. Who's going to break first between two Really good teams that play well on both sides of the ball. Really, really looking forward to this matchup. Yeah, we'll get into that one in a second here. A few more results to read through. Breeze Modern Day gets the 38-18 to win over Macomb. Tough loss there for the Bombers. But Mitch, what I noticed, I was covering two LLC games. Obviously started at Robo Williams Field and then made my way to Knoxville on Friday night. And seeing all the teams wearing the LC59 decal to honor Landon Cromer, the Macomb student who passed away in a tragic car accident um, a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. Really cool sign of support from across the conference. I just, you know, you love to see that sort of thing. So, you know, again, continue to have thoughts and prayers for that Macomb community, but nice to see that support from, from around, from teams, you know, from teams they're competing against, you know, on a weekly basis. So. Yeah, exactly. And on Weathersfield gets the big win shutout win 42 to nothing over A-Town. Zeb Rashid, 140 yards and a couple touchdowns. Rova Williamsfield, 35-18 over South Fulton. Riley Danner, two touchdown passes. Lewis Sams, a 50-yard receiving, 50 yards receiving and a touchdown. Brian Bertel Schofer, 143 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, Brown had 149 yards rushing, 16 yards receiving, three total touchdowns. I should have texted Coach Grant Golstrand to ask what Brown's first name was.
because I saw it on their social media, but it, it didn't have a first name. And now I'm, yeah. now I feel bad that I had everybody else's first name and not his. So yeah. Sorry, Mr. Brown. <laughs> yes. Mr. Brown, you had a great game, three total touchdowns. We'll get your name next week. So the offensive production though, from Rova Williams field, impressive 103 yards passing 310 yards, rushing 413 yards total. So yeah. when you're talking about that Stark County defense, I think this is a potential test for them. Obviously, Robo Williams Field's 5-0, but the test comes in the fact that they're pretty multidimensional. They can pass, they can run, they can do a little bit of both. Yeah, I think if you looked at that 413, you could flip how they did that, you know, on any week because that's how versatile the way Robo Williams Field offense is. You know, Danner could throw for 310 one week and they could only rush for 100 yards. So, yeah, this is a dynamic offense. And, and a really, really good defense. So I think two teams who have similar qualities and what could end up being the deciding game in the LLC on this side, boy, it's it's going to be, if, if I'm not watching Kiwani and, and, and Princeton, this is definitely going to be where I'm watching because there's a lot on the line here um, on Friday night. Yeah, I'm, I'm so torn, Mitch. We'll talk about it at the end of the episode, but where am I going this week? I don't know yet, but... This is a game I, I I can't find myself not going to this one. But, man, yeah, we'll see where we end up. A couple more scores. Rover, Rushville Industry, 26, Havana, 20, and Princeville gets the win. Pretty important win for them, I think, looking down the way the rest of their season. They get the 36-20 to 20 win over Monmouth United. So we just talked about it. Rover Williams Field and Stark County, that's the big matchup in the small school side of things. You also have A-Town at United, South Fulton going up against Princeville, Havana at A&W, Rushville Industry at Hayworth. So let's start on this small school side of things, Mitch. Like we said, undefeated Stark County, undefeated Rova Williamsfield, Anawan Weathersfield right behind them sitting at four and one. You have Princeville now with three wins. They're sitting at three and two overall. And then a few other teams, South Fulton, Rushville Industry, and United all sitting at two and three in, in overall in their season. So, Rova Williams Field, Stark County. You know, I we've talked about Stark County's defense and the job they did a few weeks ago against Zeb Rashid, really controlling him in that game against Anawan Weathersfield. They come away with the one point win. That's the type of effort you're going to need again to slow down this Rova Williams Field squad. Yeah, they, they'll certainly have to, to keep Riley Danner in check. Um, but on, on the flip side, you know, how do you, how do you stop Luke Reworks? It's, it's been tough for a lot of teams all season. So, yeah, you, you can't say enough about how, how similar both of these teams are. I, I don't know who won last season, um, but I, I, can, I can be pretty sure it didn't have this much on the line. So, you know, I, I would imagine everyone's pretty fired up this week in, in both camps uh, heading into Friday night. Well, I'm going to look it up because you put me on the spot here. Let's I'll, I'll look it up. Last year, let's see. Last year it was Rova. I thought so. It was Rova Williams Field 34-13. That one was at Stark County. Okay. Yep. So. Okay. And both teams, if you remember, ended up sitting at five and four. And um, they played each other 
in the first round of the playoffs. Right. And that was Star- uh, Robo Williams Field again coming away with the 28 to 14 win. So okay. Stark County looking for a little revenge here. They got to go on the road if they're going to get it. But this should be a great matchup. This, like I said, it's one that's it's on the top of my list. I, I may I may be there. I got to decide, but maybe. Okay. Looking well, looking at another game like for Moms United, um, they're sitting at two and three. They end the season with Stark County. So I would think that for United, they have to win these next three games. I think that they can. They play A-Town, South Fulton, and Havana. Two, two of those teams don't have any wins. So it might come down to that South Fulton game in week seven to determine if they get five wins or not. So I think for United, they have to essentially win out, but they really only have to win the next three games. Um, but lose one of those, and I, I don't think they can get in. We also have... Princeville taking on South Fulton. This game could have a lot of playoff implications. Last week, you said the winner of Princeville and United was in. But when you Mm -hmm. look at Princeville's schedule remaining, they're at three wins, so they helped themselves out with the win over United. But they got a tough road left. You still got, after South Fulton this week, you still got Stark County. You have Rushville Industry. In week nine, you have Anno on Weathersfield. So, There's still a couple tough matchups in there, but basically it comes down to, you got to get the job done against the teams that are two and three. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see how they can be better than five and four. Um, but yeah, that win against United really propels them to get into that sort of position. So yeah, for Princeville and United, I, I think there's, there's a chance to get them both into that really, that really tough one, a North playoff. Yep. For Anawan Weathersfield, they're going up against uh, Havana this week. So a winless Havana team this week. Down the road, they still have Farmington, Rova Williamsfield, and Princeville. So pretty tough. Yeah, once they get past this week, they still have a pretty tough slate left. But that being said, I think this Rova Williams or this Anawan Weathersfield team still has a lot they could prove. You know, they mm. could there there's a couple games in there that would be some marquee wins on their schedule if they can get it, you know, and they're yep. certainly hungry for that, you know, falling a point short against Stark County in week two. I think right. they're certainly hungry to make some noise and throw their name into the potential, you know, fight for a tie in the conference or, you know, come away with the conference title. So still a yep. lot to be proven there. It's a tough slate, but I think they have a lot left to prove They're They're playing motivated football. Well, should we look at the big side of things here? We have in week six, Mercer County on the road at Elmwood Brimfield, Illini West at Knoxville, Farmington at Macomb, West Hancock at LVC. So Mercer County and Elmwood Brimfield, both coming off losses, looking for a big win here. And when you look, you know, overall at the standings, Mercer County certainly needs a win. They're sitting at three and two. And Elmwood Brimfield, let's see, what's their record now? They won they are. Two, one and four. Are they one and four? Yes, one and four. Yep. So both teams definitely hungry for a win in that one. Um, you also, you know, Knoxville looking to continue their role. They're at home again against Illini West. Mm-hmm. Armington keep rolling. They got to go on the road to Macomb. And then can Wes Hancock get their first win of the year? 
Yeah, I was going to throw some love on West Hancock uh, against the the Lewiston co-op. Tough seasons for both teams. Lewiston's uh, hasn't they didn't win last year either. So, you know, good for one of these teams to get a win on Friday night. Um, I, I like the way Atlanta West has been playing. They're three and two now. Good win on Friday um, and going on the road to Knoxville. So I think it'll be a, a bit of a test for Knoxville. But the way that Knoxville's been playing, they've, they've just been so hard to stop. I, th- I think that Farmington at Macomb game in, in the, the large school division is really where Macomb can play spoiler. They were undefeated in the regular season last year, um, which would mean that they beat Farmington if they played. Um, can they Can they do it again um, to Farmington and, play again, play spoiler at home? So, yeah, there's, there's good matchups all throughout the LLC this week. Yeah, and this especially this a, especially especially Roy Williams will start counting. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, this has been a fun division to follow. Um, you know, the big side has been fun to follow. The whole conference in general, though, I think is just it. It's been a good conference. It's competitive. It's a lot of teams that are you know gonna play some really good football games down the stretch. We've already seen a few of them, and we're gonna see a few more. Let's get into our potential mid player of the year candidates here. Who's our Who's our midseason standouts that we think could be on the way to a, uh, you know, player of the year status? Well, let's let's start at the top with with the farmers with Farmington. Been really impressed with Lane Wheelwright this year. Seven hundred sixty three yards passing with eleven scores. He's also got five hundred and forty five yards rushing with eight scores. So, you know, you're talking thirteen hundred all all purpose yards and and close to twenty touchdowns. So, big reason why that they are five and zero. Oh. Lot, lot, a, a lot of players on that Farmington team are playing really well. Just really been impressed with, with Lane. For Knoxville, Nolan McClay, we talk about him every single every single week. He's almost at 1,000 yards rushing uh, this year. So he's got 12 touchdowns. I'm trying to think back. Does Jareus Rice have 1,000 yards? Or is Nolan maybe our leading rusher in the area, maybe? Yeah, he might be of all the schools that we're talking about. No, right. See, with Rice playing in a in a pass happy offense, he's only at six hundred fifty three. I say only, yeah. But he, <laughs> so I I do believe that Noah McClay will would be our our leading rusher in the area. So yeah, um, a good testament again to to the big fellows up front there in Knoxville, um, and a and a complimentary offense that's that's been playing really really well. Yeah, I saw it firsthand, and I yeah I was impressed with McClay. But you're right, he's got. He's got some guys up front creating some holes for him, and he certainly makes the most of those gaps. And he's yep. he's getting free, and he's not getting caught. So he's been impressive. But the big boys up front are giving him some space for sure. Yeah, and you know, talking about McClay as being the top top rusher. Looking back here on the on the large school side, looking back even at winless West Hancock, Gavin Grothouse has twelve hundred yards throwing, um, which is the leading passer in the LLC. So. Despite the record, been really impressed with him all season. I believe he's got ten touchdowns. So that that Titan attack has been has been fun to watch. So again, despite the record, Gavin Broadhouse has really been playing well. And another name to toss out there on the LLC large side of things, this Macomb offense has looked pretty good this year, and they're led by Braden Holdhouse. We've got a Grothouse and a Holdhouse. Well, that's correct. They they went up against each other on that uh, yeah. Saturday afternoon game, which ended up being pushed to Monday. And uh, saw some of the highlights from that one. And yeah, and with him leading the way, he was a wide receiver converted into quarterback this year. But yes, Braden Holthouse looked pretty good for the Bombers. So that's another name to watch out for. 
like a Game of Thrones battle in here in the LLC. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the show that had the house of something and the house of, isn't that what their clicks were called? I, don't, I didn't watch it. I'll be honest, I, the reference is over my head, but somebody's going to get it. So. I think they called the families the house of some, uh, you know, I don't know. It doesn't matter. All right. Yeah, well done. That's good. All right. Yeah. All right, let's get to the uh, small school side of things here. Riley Danner. Yep. Rova Williams Field, 834 <laughs> yards, r- passing, 10 touchdowns. The most notable one I did not mention last season and got <laughs> – Got marked at by the Rova Williamsfield fan base. So, yes, Riley Tanner is certainly on the list this year. I do need to point out, Mitch, that uh, when I walked into Rova Williamsfield last week, I had several people, multiple people come up and, you know, say that they love the podcast and thank you so much. They did not say that they loved you. They just no. said that they love. <laughs> no, they don't. They're going to hold that against me forever. No, here's it. Uh, see, I'll vouch for you. To all the Rova Williams Field fans, Mitch is a good guy, and here the we Rova, go. See, the Rova fans like me because I say that I, I credit them all the time. That's it's true. The Williams Field families that don't want any part of me. That's true. Someday you need to like make a you know make a special trip to Williams Field and stop yeah. by you know stop by the local uh, maybe they have a Casey's or a you know the local diner and meet the people you know like a right. like a presidential type of like political campaign visit. Right, just trying to up my image i really gotta do something <laughs> that's right so you know mitch you were the one crunching the numbers today and you got riley danner's name in there so there you go yeah. he definitely deserves it 834 yards like we mentioned 10 touchdowns you know there there's a lot of names on this cougar team that are are playing really well have, have really been a big reason why this team is five and over riley danner makes that offense run and yeah, you're nearing a thousand yards and over ten touchdowns. So this has um, been re- really fun to watch. And again, with these four weeks left and some big matchups for Roller Williamsfield coming up, he's going to be a big reason why that they could potentially go into the playoffs on unbeaten. Yep. A couple other names that stand out to me, I think. You look at Stark County's Luke Rewards, quarterback for the Rebels, 266 yards rushing, five touchdowns, 439 yards passing five more touchdowns. He's really kind of the driving force behind that offense. They have a lot of guys that contribute, but he's, you know, he's the one making plays at the quarterback position and uh, play and done really well to lead them to mm-hmm. five and zero so far. You also have Zeb Rashid. That's a name that we knew coming into the year, obviously was going to make an impact and week in and week out, Mitch, he, you know, we're calling out his stats and, and, you know, the thing that really stands out to me is when you talk to coaches around the conference, Zeb Rashid is the name that, you know, they're most worried about when it comes to game planning, because he's just such a dynamic back, you know, such a weapon for this Anawan Weathersfield team. Those are the kind of the names that stand out to me on that side of the conference. Yeah, I mean, three teams that two of which are undefeated and the other one's four and one. And you still got a couple of those teams to yet to play each other. So um, a, a lot of, as we mentioned, a lot of players from each of these three teams we could have mentioned. Um, these, these three just kind of stand maybe a little bit above the rest, but a lot of talent here in the small, small side of the LLC. Let's take one more quick break to thank some sponsors. We'll jump into Northwest Upstate Illini and eight-man football. The Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, For Fantasy Sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 1130. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. 
So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome back to View from the West podcast. Let's jump into the Northwest of St. Illini. Some results from week five. Fulton gets the win over Dakota, 38-6. to Big win there for the Steamers. Forreston gets the shutout victory, 46 to nothing over West Carroll. Mitch, looking through the numbers on this one, the Cardinals had nine different guys run the ball and six different guys scoring a rushing touchdown. That's the kind of offense you like. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a Forreston game if I've ever heard one. That's <laughs> exactly right. So congratulations to the Forreston Cardinals. They once again are having a fantastic season. One thing I do want to point out, saw a really cool story out of Rockford. WIFR, the TV station there out of Rockford, did a feature on Lucas Nelson from Forreston. He's one of their student athletes, football players that only has one hand. But man, he does not let that slow him down, does not let that stop him from competing. Really cool story. He was a really well-spoken young man and just um, really cool to see him out there, you know, motivating to see him you know, how hard he's working and, you know, not letting anything slow him down. So if anyone wants to, you know, see that, I encourage you to go out and check that out. Um, it was, uh, I believe, NUIC football retweeted it last week and it was WIFR out of Rockford. So, um, yeah, great, great story. Shout out to Lucas. Good job. Yep. Yep. A couple more scores here. Dupec gets the 62 to 14 win over Galena. So their great season continues. Stockton gets the 35 to 8 win over Eastland Pearl City. Lena Winslow gets the non-conference win, 48 to nothing over St. Teresa. Lena Winslow rushes for 351 yards on the day, led Ooh. by Alex Schlichting, who finished with 126 yards on four carries and a touchdown. So a name that we're not quite as familiar with, but great job yeah. for Alec there. Now the name we are a little more familiar with, Gage Dunker has 94 yards on 14 attempts with a touchdown. Also, Cobran Lynch rushes for 78 and two scores. Defensively, Lynch had an interception that went for a pick six. And Jalen Rakoska had two interceptions on the day. So another well-balanced, you know, well-rounded effort here for the Panthers. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to go back. And certainly we have heard about St. Teresa's kind of drop-off this year, but I would be hard-pressed to see a game featuring two defending state champions that has been so lopsided that, that this one was, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, yep. I don't think, I don't think it probably happens all that often. You might see it in seven and eight a with, with those Chicago schools. Um, just trying to think off the top of my head. I just, I don't know how often you would see two defending state champs playing the regular season, but I would imagine that a 48 point win is probably one of the largest, if not the largest results. So you know, great, great win for Lee Wynn. Certainly just <laughs> racking up the yards on the ground um, and doing what they do. But that is going to lead us into maybe the deciding game in the NUIC here in week six. Yeah, well, let's let's jump right into it here. You know, actually, I saw I saw a funny tweet from a friend of the podcast, Greg Pruis, who tweeted something about it's about time that Forrest and Lee win and Dupec have to play each other. Like, and I kind yeah. of agree with them. Like let's sure. get to the meat of this schedule here in the NUIC right. and we're getting to it here. Forreston is sitting at five and zero. Oh, Dupec sitting at five and zero. Oh, 
Lena Winslow also sitting at 5-0, and and they all still have to play each other. It starts this week with Lena Winslow going on the road to Dupec. Man, if it wasn't such a haul from where I'm at, I would love to go cover that one. That would be uh, – that's the game I'd like to go to. But uh, it's a little yep. bit of a stretch for me to get there on a Friday night. But um, other games around the NUIC in week six, Dakota going up against West Carroll, Forreston at Stockton, Fulton goes up against Galena, and Eastland Pearl City goes on the road to Aurora Christian. So, you know, I think the four – I mean, a couple interesting, Forreston at Stockton and Fulton – going up against Galena are mm-hmm. interesting to see if, you know, can Galena pull off what I would kind of call an upset if they could beat Fulton. And then you also have the same thing with Stockton, you know, they're at home, but that would be an upset if they were to knock off Forreston. Like those two are interesting from that aspect, but the big one is Lena Winslow and Dupec. These teams look to be the real deal. They've been meeting the last few years and it's become quite a rivalry should be another great one. Yeah, Glean and Stockton, just going back to your first point, two teams fighting for a playoff spot. So their their four weeks both for them are are pretty crucial. But yeah, what we can't talk enough about what what this game is gonna be like on, on Friday for, for Lee Wynn going on the road. Been super impressed with Dupec this year. Um I believe, I guess I do have it pulled up that they are not quite. Lee, Lee Wynn, um holds the edge a little bit in points scored this year. They have scored 22 more points than Dupec, despite the 62 perform- performance from Dupec this uh, this past week. But the Dupec defense has only allowed 30 points through five games. Now, Lee Wynn's only allowed 36, so it, it's not to say that their defense isn't also really, really good, but it just goes to show that these are two really, really, really fun teams to watch. A little bit of a different dynamic, right? Lewin doesn't pass at all. Dupec likes to pass. So it, it, it'll come down to which defense can really stop the other's force. You know, can Dupec slow down the dunkers, the the lynches, the schlichtings? Um, yeah. And for, for Lee Wynn, can they slow down Cooper Hoffman, right, who's been so good all year? So I'm really, really looking forward to this game. Uh, again, I, I've talked about watching Kiwani Princeton and, and Robert Williamsfield in Stark County, but this is a third game that I hope has a stream going. I'm sure that they will, because I want to have eyes on this one. Yeah, yeah, I hope I hope you do, because I, I want to know how this one plays out, because I think, obviously, it goes a long way in determining who wins this conference. And you start looking down the way, Forreston gets into the mix here. They have Dupec in Week 8 and Lena Winslow yeah. in Week 9. Yeah. So. Um, they'll, they'll get into the mix and they'll have their say as well. But for right now in week six, this one is, uh, this one is the marquee matchup for sure. Yeah. Well, it's some of the usual suspects, some of the names you just called out, but our mid season player of the year candidates, who could be, uh, who could be the names we're talking about at the end of the season here? Let's see. I, I, I just two guys we just mentioned for yep. win Gage Dunker, you know, I, I don't think he's probably played a full game yet just the way that their results have been but again these next four weeks I think that changes but so far 678 yards rushing 12 touchdowns on on the other side of the ball at least this week Dupec their quarterback Cooper Hoffman 882 yards passing for 15 touchdowns he's also got 377 yards rushing with eight touchdowns so you're talking about 23 touchdowns from Hoffman this year 
really, really fun to watch. So these, again, these two, these two players going up again against one another this week should be a lot of fun. Yeah. A couple other names from around the NUIC. How about Owen Mulder from Forreston? Eight touchdowns. He has five two-point extra point uh, conversions and then 26 tackles. So, you know, a little bit of everything here. He's getting the job done um, all over the field. Fulton's Dom Kramer has looked really good. 703 yards passing, nine touchdowns. Also 136 yards rushing and a touchdown. So, yeah, I think those are, you know, some of the some of the candidates that we'll be talking about throughout the rest of the season for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've really been impressed with Don Kramer with Fulton. Um, junior, first year, I don't know if it's first year playing quarterback, but certainly first year playing uh, as a starter for the varsity on, on, on Fulton. So he's he's leading that offense. He's, he's making them play better and better every single week. I do think Fulton will get into the playoffs, and it'll be a big thanks to guys like Don Kramer to – AJ Boardman to uh, Bam Damehoff. So Fulton has a lot of players that could be on this list. Forreston has a lot of players that could be on this list. Dupac, Lee Wynn. So we mentioned these, these four guys, but all these teams are really, really good and have guys who contribute and are big reasons why they, they sit with records that they have. Yep. Well, let's get into the eight-man division here. Let's talk some results from week five. Amboy, Lamoille, Ohio gets the win. We got to give all three. We got to give them all credit there. Amboy, Lamoille, Ohio gets the win 48 to 42 over Ridgewood. Another great win for Amboy here for the Clippers. But man, Ridgewood, they've had a tough stretch here. They lost to Polo by four, and then they were at home again and lost to Amboy by six. So this Ridgewood team, we, they're knocking on the door. They're, you know, yep. they're on the verge of really like busting through, just coming up a little bit short against really good competition here. Yeah, there's still going to be a team to watch, though, in the playoffs. There's no question about that. So um, you're, you're going to see some of these matchups again, I think, in the playoffs. And that's what makes eight man so exciting. So Ridgeview, despite coming up a little short here in these these past couple of games. Really, one of the odds on favorites you know i suppose to to compete for that title i don't want to say that they're odds on favorites to win but they're in the conversation as going to be a player yeah i think they'll certainly be a player they've given both of these teams a good game they're they're right there like i said so some other results west central gets the win 56 to 6 over galva congratulations to west central they get their first win on the season cody Mm -hmm. wade led the way with 215 yards on seven carries three touchdowns Isaiah Steven had 159 yards and three touchdowns. So congratulations to the Heat. You know, they'd, they'd been struggling to start the season, but they come away with the win here. And, uh, you know, hopefully looking to, you know, grab a couple more down the rest of the way. This right. next week, that'll be a challenge against Bushnell Prairie City. We'll get to those matchups in a minute, but um, congrats to the Heat on that one. Polo gets the win 42-6 to six over River Ridge. Rockford Christian Life. Gets the 28-22 win over Ashton Franklin Center. Orangeville gets the big win, 53-36 over Alden Hebron. Milledgeville, 74-34 over Hiawatha. South Fork, 30-0 over West Prairie. Martinsville, 52-14 over Pawnee. So we talked a lot about these matchups, reacted to them on the Instant Reacts podcast. You can go check those out. But uh, Milledgeville continues to look good. Orangeville gets the big win there. That was a really important win for them. 
and obviously Polo comes away with the big win. They, they continue to look good as well. So teams to follow for sure. Who are some of the names, Mitch, on these teams that are uh, going to be potential player of the year candidates in the eight man ranks? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with Connor Nye. We, we talk about him every, every single week. He's got 760 yards passing 15 touchdowns. I think his completion percentage is like 73% or something like that. Um, he also dual threat 320 yards rushing with nine touchdowns. So you're talking 24 touchdowns for Connor Nye this season and uh, has those, has those missiles playing really, really well. Yeah. Connor Nye uh, impressed me when I saw him in person. I've seen him, you know, in, in the last couple of years, but he really impressed me the other night when I saw him, um, you know, it looks every bit the part, you know, he'll, he'll continue to lead the way for them. But another quarterback that's really kind of burst onto the scene here. We saw him a little bit last year, Eddie Jones for Amboy, but he's really kind of stepped up and played well for a team that has had a lot of high expectations and, and he's helping live up to it. Yeah. Amboy was, was really good last year with, with Lindermeyer. Um, and I, I think Eddie Jones stepped in when he got hurt, but this year he's he's got more touchdowns than he does incompletions, Greg. He's 16 yeah. to 20, 16 to 22 for 440 yards and eight touchdowns. So not only more touchdowns than incompletions, but half of his completions are touchdowns. So big reason why Amboy's playing really, really well. Yep. Awesome. Read through Brock Soltow's numbers for me here. Yeah. We knew we knew this would be a name that we'd talk about a lot this year. But man, his stat sheet is impressive. Yeah, he's he's everywhere. Um, don't have his de- his defensive stats, but I would love to get those too. But on the offensive side of the ball, 676 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns, 283 yards receiving, four touchdowns. He's also thrown for four touchdowns. So that's um, crazy. Any anytime you can, anytime you can, you know, score a, a touchdown on the ground through the air and the receiving is pretty good. When you do it that many times, uh, it's it's a pretty good indicator of a good ball player. So, yeah, Brock Seltow having a really, really great year for Polo. Yeah. Um, another great athlete for Polo, uh, Noah Dewey, having a great year at wide receiver. He's a name to watch for. He's His name is, uh, you know, big, high up in the stat sheet that NUIC football sends out every week. Um, another couple of names for Ridgewood, a team that we've talked about here, Roy Sandberg and Riley Couture. You know, those are names we talked about last year and they're continuing to produce. And, you know, I think there's some, there's some big wins potentially, you know, come playoff time for this Ridgewood team. They're, they're close and they're, you know, right there. We've yep. talked about it a lot, but uh, those are yep. a couple of names leading the way for them. So Mitch, the only thing left to decide here, where am I going on Friday night? Okay. So let's take, Let's take two that we talked about. And I don't know if we'll do a swing because maybe you have to commit to one of these games since they're both pretty important. Okay. You got you got uh, Kiwani going to Princeton or you've got Stark County going to Robo Williams Field. So yep. that, I think the biggest question here, Greg, is where is the better pork chop? Oh, that is a really tough question. Not, to put, I, you on, we... not to put you on the spot here, but... <laughs> We if talked that's, about that's one of the deciding factors. We talked up the uh, Rova Williams Field pork chop last week. The FFA mm-hmm. from Rova did a fantastic job with that. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I was really happy with that. But Princeton does not mess around either when it comes to a pork chop. But how about this one? You got Amboy going on the road to Milledgeville. That's a huge matchup in eight, man. Wow. Yeah. That boy, these. Huh. We've got marquee matchups in 
for the five conferences we covered. So where where you say that's at Amboy or at Milledgeville? It's at Milledgeville. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure what are we looking back is Sterling at home. Oh yeah. Newman's at home. Yeah. So you could do that. I could do that one. Uh, yeah. But that's a game you hate to leave. If it's Amboy and Milledgeville, you hate to leave. You'll get your highlights early though. I mean, you'll, you'll, you won't need to be there that long because you'll get highlights pretty quick. That's a fair point. That's uh, yeah, that's, that might be a good one to go to. Um, but, that, but it also could be like a 72 to 68 game where you don't want to miss. I, that's what I'm, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I got some thinking to do this week, but um, you got options. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, Mitch, and you've already kind of went through what your Friday night's going to look like. You got Kiwani yeah. Princeton, you get on a screen, you got how many, how many screens can you do at the same time? Are you usually just flipping back and forth? No, I usually just flip back and forth. Um, using, using the tablet and not having to go through the ads. That's been a pretty, pretty clutch. Okay. Uh, setup. That's a good, uh, that's a good, that's key to find that out. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. What's, what's helpful is if the computer is free and I can use that to get on Twitter because otherwise I'm on my phone Yeah. and trying to keep up with it sometimes is a lot and trying to type on a phone, you know, Yeah. copy and paste and this, that, and the other thing where on the computer, it's a, it's a heck of a lot easier. So, you know, I don't have the the setup like Seuss does. No, um, but, that was a great you know, one. I, yeah. But, you know, and this is another great thing about like Tiger Central Live where I can have that game on the TV and then something else on a tablet. You That's know what perfect. I mean? so yep. If, yep. if games are on, if games are on YouTube, um, and, and of course I could always get on NFHS on the TV, but it's a lot easier to, to operate that on, on the tablet. So it is, you know, we'll see. We'll definitely have, because of that, we'll definitely have Kiwani and Princeton on the big screen. And then I'll, I'll try and be flipping um, between Dupac, Lee Wynn, Stark County, Robert Williams Field. If, if Amboy and Millersville have a stream going, yeah, I'll, I'll try and get eyes in the sky everywhere, but you'll be on the ground and I, I know you'll make the right choice and where you're going to go. <laughs> That's big trust. I, I appreciate your trust in me to find right. where I'm, to figure out where I'm going. It'll, I'll have to talk to Dazzo and uh, see what, see what works, but uh, man, I'm excited. There's, you can't really make a wrong choice. I don't feel like so. Now, now Knoxville's home. You could always get that back down to Knoxville. We know they like us down there. We never, yeah. we never leave them out of the decision making. That's true. Yeah. I, I like to, we're getting to the point where I've seen a lot of teams that I, that I want to get eyes on. So it's, you know, a matter of who do you want to, you know, the matchups you want to see, but I want to make sure to get a little bit of everything, right. You want to, I want to try yeah. to find teams I haven't seen yet, but um, it gets, it gets tricky because you want it. Yeah. So anyway, I appreciate the trust you have in me. I'll, I'll make the right choice and uh, we'll go from yep. there. So, well, thank you to everyone who follows along with Mitch on uh, Twitter on Friday nights and who follows along every week and listens to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, you know, things are getting exciting. Things are ramping up and we'll, we'll keep the coverage rolling here. Yeah. And once again, thank you to everyone who does follow on Fridays and uh, we'll send along scores that I can't necessarily find. We, you know, some of, some of those games that are out in the woods, you have to kind of put out an SOS and there's someone out there who, who has it. So that's always incredibly helpful. So thank you to all those who uh, join in on the fun on Friday nights and certainly to the coaches as well, who send in their stats. Um, because again, we, we want to try and cover, cover your teams as best as we can sometimes with limited resources. So you're, you're always our, our first, our first choice to get 
uh, notes and stats from. So thank you again to all the coaches who, uh, who have been helping us this year. Yep. And, uh, you know, to all the head coaches out there, or any assistant coaches out there, if you want to loop us in on when you send out your emails to either local media or whoever you send out your stats to, we will take all the numbers you want to give us. So we'll, yep. uh, you know, we'll do our best to kind of, you know, compile what we can find, but any you want to send to us, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Again, that's our email, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. We love, we love getting the info to help us promote your program, help us promote your kids. So D- D- DMs are always open, Greg. That's true. Yeah, there you go. There always you go. open. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who continues to support us, continues to listen. We'll be back next week with the Instant Reacts podcast, and we'll be right back here breaking it all down. We will see you next week. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.